Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculations concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Our panel today is our usual crew. We've got Adam, we've got Rhiannon, we're on Facebook, I'm Caleb, and this is all a very weird world, but uh, yeah, this is exciting. If you're listening to this at the usual podcast release, there's a video on Facebook of us recording this because our technology didn't work, so we tried a different technology, so... Uh, how are you guys doing, other than fighting with technology for the last half hour? Amazing. YouTube has made things difficult, so we've had to find new avenues. We're working on it. So, this episode is kind of weird. I was going through the news, and there has not been a lot of like traditional Marvel news, but I think there are some interesting things for us to talk about. Um, Adam, we're going to start out with your favorite guy to start out with. James Gunn. Did an interview today with Deadline, kind of his first big interview uh, since he's been rehired. I have some talking points, but, you know, as the leading uh, gun apologist on this podcast, uh, what did you think of that interview that came out today and what Gunn said about the whole thing? No, I mean, that was a super cool uh, interview, I thought. Obviously, it made him uh, appear very vulnerable. Um, It was a really nice introspective piece, you know. Um, much deserved, I guess. Obviously, he, he, nothing stood out too much. He did get into Guardians three a little bit, but uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a very enjoyable read. Rhiannon, have you gotten a chance to read it yet? Yeah, um, I read some of it. I haven't gotten all the way through. Um, yeah, I think Gunn's taking very much taking the high road here, and I think he's been very consistent in his message that. Yeah, the things that he got fired from Guardians over were things that he had already regretted. You know, they were things that he looked back on and wished he had never said in the first place, even before that happened. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I, you know, he's been very consistent in that message. That's what he said in this interview. Um, And he's being very gracious about the whole situation. Yeah, I think for some of the, you know, we were a little cynical, I think, about, like, how fired was he really, you know, like, or was this kind of all a ruse, like, how long was he really out? And this interview, to me, kind of changed my mind that he was really, like, he really thought he was done. And when he took the Suicide Squad job, he really thought he was just moving on with his career. And... And that when Alan, you know, when Horn called him back in the office, I mean, he even said it was kind of like, it was almost like he thought he was going in to just patch up the relationship for the future, like you would with like a divorced spouse to make sure you could still be friends. And I thought that was really interesting that it took him as far off guard as it did for Disney to bring him back. So you do bring up a very interesting point with that, right? That's, that's going to be the plot uh, of Guardians 3, right? I mean, he details his divorce. Um, from a very popular actress at the time. Um, and that's kind of the themes we'll see in Guardians 3, right? Between between Peter and Gamora, obviously it's not a divorce, but it's uh, more of the, you know, I don't really know you anymore type thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, and he also talked, as you said, about Rocket, that he plans to give us kind of the end of Rocket's uh, story and arc in Guardians 3 as well. Right. It's funny he did it because I even noticed recently when Marcus and McFeely talk about uh, Endgame, they always talk about finishing arcs and they're like, well, we want to finish Cap's arc. We want to finish Hulk's arc. And the one character they never talk about arc at all is Rocket. And it's almost like they knew Rocket's being put to the side. Rocket's arc finishes in Guardians 3. And even Gunn mentioned that his arc moved through... um, moved through Endgame and moved through Infinity War, but they very specifically did not end it so that they could go somewhere in uh, in Guardians 3. So I think that gives us a good clue about kind of what's happening next. I will fight you that Rockets had the most important story arc in the MCU. <laughs> Wait a minute. The most important arc in the entire MCU? Well, not not important. How am I trying to say? I need to, I need to speak with my words better. The... Uh... I would say uh, not the most important, but the biggest, I would guess, the biggest development out of everyone. I mean, he's he's almost done a complete 180, right? He's almost got that whole reversal. So, yeah, probably not most important, but 
certainly one of, if not the most developed. While we're on the topic, what what would you say is your favorite Rocket movie? Like, what movie do you think Rocket shines in the most? It's it's hard to beat that Yondu and Rocket uh, exchange, right? On the steps of the ship, whatever it is, the third quadrant Ravager ship. Um, I mean, it's really hard to get out of that scene. Um, that's that's kind of what we see the uh, the thing come full circle. So I guess favorite Rocket movie would have to be Guardians Two. Yeah, Guardians Two is definitely the best Rocket movie. I mean, he he does have an arc in that movie. Yeah, I totally see what you guys are saying. I actually like Infinity War. I think the best. There's something about when when Thor's all down, and Rocket just goes, "Time to be the captain." Like. There's like this acknowledgement of who he's become that I just find very satisfying. So I can dig it. All right. Uh, this next bit of news is actually comic news, but I just had to talk about it because I don't think people have talked about it enough. Uh, if uh, your website, Adam, comicbook.com, uh, had an interview with Jonathan Hickman yesterday about X-Men. And he was asked, why did you come back to write X-Men for Marvel? And his response was, there are opportunities for vertical integration that were not available when I worked there before. I have some thoughts about what that means. Do you have thoughts about what that means? Because right. it was a weird, really weird way uh, for him to write that or him to say that. I have thoughts. Maybe you're not allowed um, to share them. I, I, I think we have probably similar thoughts. I mean, it's pretty transparent what he was trying to say. Obviously uh with the uh, the whole Disney Fox deal that brings a whole other stuff into fruition of course Hickman's probably not going to be writing the first X-Men movie or something um an animated series sure a TV show I mean he could end up writing an X-Men movie I mean he's Jonathan Hickman right um he, an incredible writer uh but yeah I I think it was pretty apparent what he was saying there Right, because vertical integration, I mean, this is like technical term, but we're effectively saying like when a company adds up or down the supply chain, so like when Disney buys new things, like I, I think he's talking about the Fox deal. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I mean, it seems a vague, weird way to say it, but he's pretty clear that whatever it was that he wanted to do, he wasn't able to do two years ago when he left, and now he is. And it makes me think that maybe these X-Men things coming out this summer might set a groundwork for where they're going with X-Men in the MCU. Like, is it possible Kevin Feige's hanging out with Hickman to talk about this stuff? Or is that too much of a pipe dream to think that could possibly work that way? No, I, I don't think so. I, I mean, there's people that, that write comics and TV shows and all that stuff all the time. I mean, Tom King just got done writing for a TV show. Um you know, which I still think is probably WandaVision, but it might not be. You know, there's there's that crossover all the time. One of the Rick and Morty writers, Jeff Loveness, he writes all sorts of Marvel comics. Uh, I mean, Hickman's a big name, right? Hickman's probably the biggest name in terms of a writer in comics. So to get him back uh, um, for as something as large as what they're doing, I, I mean, he's pretty much championing the, the whole new x-men universe you know he said that they're wiping the whole slate clean and you know he's kind of driving that ship i don't think he would have come back um if there wasn't another opportunity on the table so i could totally see him uh at least getting a producer credit you know maybe on a on a marvel tv show or something like that and like you said i mean that's about as corporate buzzwordy as you can get using the vertical opportunity verbiage or whatever he did. You know, the only thing, the other buzzwords he's missing is like synergy, you know. Um, so it was very corporate, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him. I mean, Brian K. Vaughn, right? Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him in a, a Vaughn type role, especially when he's, uh, you know, Brian's getting more and more involved uh, in Runaways as the, or the series progresses. Rhiannon, does Jonathan Hickman and X-Men, does any of this sound interesting to you, or does it still seem far way off? I still... You know, I'm kind of surprised we haven't gotten anything at all about that new stuff, even in a leak so far. 
Um, I'll be excited to hear something when it goes. But no, yeah, Hickman, I don't have any specific thoughts. I will say this. Hickman would kill Daredevil. I mean, that would be the best team up there. I would love a Hickman Daredevil as as depth and nuance of a writer as Hickman is. That would be insane. I mean, Chip's doing a pretty good job, too, but... I was about to say, Daredevil's always already dead. Thanks for the salt in the wound. Even in the comics, Charles Soule killed him. No. Um, yeah. No, that sounds awesome. And Zdarsky is doing an awesome job. Anybody that's not reading that, it's awesome. Um... Again, something that's not a thing that we'd usually talk about too much on our show, but uh, more corporate news this week as Disney came to an agreement with Hulu, uh, well, with Comcast, to buy out the um, last remaining 30% or so, or 35% of Hulu that they did not own. It's kind of a weird deal where Marvel gets total control of the entity today, but then they have to buy it by 2024 at a certain price it's very complex if you're into the business stuff we could talk about it but i'm sure most of you don't care so um basically what we have now is that disney now completely controls hulu they went from 30 percent to 60 to 65 to 100 in six months uh i don't think this probably surprises us too much uh, Rhiannon, do you feel like this is a good thing for Marvel for Disney to now have total control over Hulu? I don't fully understand because, like, I saw some people in the television industry being like, "Oh, this is awful." Um, so they went from having sixty percent control or eighty percent. They went from sixty-five to a hundred. The immediate news I saw of this is NBC Universal is backing out of Hulu. I would think that more products being on a streaming service would make it stronger. So I don't understand why they can already do like whatever the heck they want. Why? 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 Why do you need to own all of it? Can you guys explain that to me? Right. So it should be noted that Disney still owns 65%, right? They just control... Technically, they own 65%. And the way I read it, it almost seemed that, I mean, Comcast, you know, NBC Universal just gave their stuff up, right? At least control. I mean, they'll still, well, they still won't be making money since Hulu's not profitable. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, NBC's doing their own streaming. And that's the thing. Hulu's not going to be Hulu much longer, right? With everyone backing out. What's it going to be? Disney X? What's it going to be, Disney X? I know, it's it, probably... Disney Plus Plus. Disney yeah, Disney Plus Plus. <laughs> Typically, that's, you know, you add one plus. Yeah, I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, obviously, it's going to get to the point where these networks don't want want their content on other things. You know, it's going to be Netflix and Marvel all over again. It's They're not going to be wanting to give their to license their content out when they have their own streaming platforms. You know, that's why The Office is eventually going to leave Netflix. So why Parks and Recs is eventually going to leave Netflix, you know? But then we're just back to cable. I mean, I just, I really, it's more a uh, cable where you select your shows. I don't know. I don't know. Like, ten years ago, this is what I always swore I wanted. But now that I'm living in the future, I don't know. Oh, it's absolutely going to get to that point, you know? I mean, what? So Netflix, Hulu, uh, I mean, there's Shudder, there's CBS All Access, uh, Disney Plus. What else? Um... NBC Universal, Warner Brothers is coming out with their own thing, right? Uh, ESPN Plus. You know, there's easily a hundred bucks in streaming services right there, and that's not cl- including if you have like a a Sling or a Hulu Plus or a, or a, um, YouTube TV or something like that. So it's gonna. I mean, now what's the opposite of cutting cords, right? Is everyone gonna be getting cords again? Buying cords, you know, I mean, it's, oh, DC Universe is another, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Rhiannon, you asked kind of what, what the purpose is of this for both sides. For Disney, I think it's just control and particularly it's international control. I think for our listeners, the reason it matters for Marvel fans 
is if you live internationally and you've been annoyed that you don't have Hulu. So like, you know, we've had listeners in the United Kingdom who say, well, I can't get runaways because I don't have Hulu. I think this will speed up how quickly Hulu goes international because Disney, you know, like before the situation was Disney would say, hey, we want to go international. It's going to cost X billion dollars to do that. And while they, I don't, I don't know exactly how this works. Comcast was like, we're not paying one third of that billions of dollars because we don't want it to go international. And so now Disney has the ability to just make that decision and not have to worry about Comcast dragging their feet or not. Comcast, meanwhile, gets guaranteed that they're going to at least make 5 billion bucks out of this. That's kind of the, that's the benefit from them is they have a, they have a basement price that they're at least going to make $5 billion out of this deal. And it possibly will go up, but that's kind of where I think they're at. And they, they, that will then basically be their seed money to start Comcast universal NBC plus service in the history of mankind. (laughs) Yeah. The, the international thing I forget about, which actually being in England, a couple weeks ago and hanging out with a bunch of Daredevil fans. You know, it's kind of like, oh, it'll come back to Hulu. And they were just like, screw you. Like, that doesn't help us. Like, that that really drove it in. Sorry, international people. I hope you get your Hulu. Well, and particularly because Hulu's a bigger piece. I mean, right now it's just Runaways, but very soon it's going to be these four or five animated shows. It's going to be Hellstrom. It's going to be Ghost Rider. I mean, there's going to be almost a dozen things on Hulu here soon. So, all right. Uh, I thought this <laughs> this made me happy. Uh, Simon Kinberg did an interview this week where he basically said that they're saying goodbye to the X-Men. He does not expect to be employed as someone who works with X-Men in the future. Uh, we've kind of talked about this before, but it seemed to me to be confirmation that the old X team is getting wiped out. And uh, it's not like Kevin Feige will sit down with Kinberg and work things out like he has to with Pascal with Spidey. The X-Men Fantastic Four is getting a total re- reboot on the executive level, I think. Right. Absolutely. Sure. I really should have turned that into a question so it was easier to talk about. All right. Um, I mean, that was enough time for Simon (laughs) Kinberg, wasn't it? Live viewers that don't normally see us live. This is how the sausage is made. Yeah, we'll we'll cut that together to make it sound like something far more entertaining at some point. I mean, I guess it's time for Kinberg to be gone, right? We need new blood. We need it, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. 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 I think when we see these X characters again, when we come back to this universe, one, I think they're going to do like they did in the original MCU and go with the more obscure. It's going to be an angle that you didn't see. It's going to be something that from the very beginning we go, what are they thinking? And uh, it's going to in no way resemble what was there before. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think it was Marcus and McFeely were asked about the X-Men and they immediately said, yeah, you got to put Wolverine on ice for a little bit because of Hugh Jackman's performance. And it made me think, ooh, I wonder if that's just their opinion or if that's something them and Feige talked about, you know, over the water cooler one day over at Marvel Studios. I I mean, I think, I I mean, it's what I've been saying. Maybe they've just been listening to me. Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Marcus McFeely, call me. I have other ideas. (laughs) All right. The only other bit of news I have is uh, Runaway Season 3 is officially filming my immediate thought was, oh, geez, I kind of don't remember what happened at the end of season two. I know, I think for all three of us, Runaways kind of tailed off a little bit there near the mm-hmm. end. What do you feel like they need to do as they jump into season three? If they're re- listening tonight, what should Runaways season three do to kind of get our attention again? Um, Don't do what you did in season two. How about that? It just, <laughs> it felt like two, we've said it time and time again, it felt like two... Um, two completely separate seasons. I mean, they almost should have went what 15 episode seasons. If they were going to do that, that middle, the the middle chunk was just so jarring. I never got back into it. Um, so maybe if there's one consistent storyline, I I don't know. The middle of the season was just way too jarring. Oh, runaways. See, I had already forgotten that we talked about runaways. Michael T. Ford just said he would like a crossover with cloak and dagger. Um, I don't need that. I don't need... I, I really kind of... I worry that it'll hurt Cloak and Dagger, which is strong. 
Um, for Runaways, I think we need we need movement. We need action. I need that. I need that story to go places, have some action to it, and not focus so much on the melodrama of the relationships. I mean, relationships are important, but I just need less of the melodrama, more of the action. Surprise me. Surprise me in every episode. Surprise me in every act of every episode. That's what I loved about those comics. That's what I'm going to see in the show. Yeah, I totally agree. I would, um, I think it would also, I'd love to see Victor Mancha brought in. Like, I was really hoping that Zavin or Vampire Boy, I forget his name, like that some of those characters would kind of inject something to the show and I didn't really feel like it did. So I don't know, maybe I'm asking for more of the same thing that didn't work. But uh, yeah, a Victor Mancha, particularly if they could actually do a connection where he's kind of connected to like Ultron or something or Tony Stark's AI or... Maybe that's probably way too much to ask of Marvel TV at this point. But I think that would, uh, if that was like the last thing, like the stinger of the trailer is to see Victor show up, I think that would be exciting and surprising to me and something that would kind of get me back into it a bit. I also feel like this first the first episode of this is going to need a huge last season on Runaways because I'm not, I don't, I don't remember. There's some kind of mystery, like somebody is taken over by aliens, but we don't know who and... They eat lots of cake and then have sex with people. Is this is this roughly correct? Is this am I remembering this at all? Wait, that happened. Maybe I didn't yeah, finish season... Runaway season two then. <laughs> that, was, that sounds uh, exciting. Maybe was I like, should finish Runaway season. No two. kidding, right? Yeah, there was like certain people that like were in like taken over by the aliens and then they ate cake and wanted to have sex. Like that was uh, uh, Nico's mom. Anyway, uh, I'm pretty sure I remember. Do you yeah, remember this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It I was like, that. yeah, it wasn't as exciting as you make it sound. <laughs> I remember it mostly because we talked about it, and Adam was like, "I don't know, eating cake and having sex seems to be connected in my mind." And ever since then, every time cake has come up, I've always been weirded out a little bit. You make a lot of cakes too, so that's pretty scary. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> Your wife sent Adam cake. She did. So... I know. It freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> it was very good cake, too, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. She's mm. excellent at making cake. That sounds worse now that we had this conversation. <laughs> all right. Oh, dude, I hope she does not watch this on all the weeks to be on Facebook. Uh, I okay. mean, the thing about this going live on Facebook is it's guaranteed to be the one that all of our family members watch at some point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. My mom already so... commented. I know. Oh, I Hi, Mrs. Barnhart. Hi, Adam's mom. Oh, no, I clicked the wrong button. You just unfriended your mom on Facebook? I did. I blocked her. <laughs> Not her. <laughs> so, can we talk about Cloak and Dagger? Did you guys happen to watch it last week? I think I'm all caught up. <laughs> Adam says no. No. I, I'm, I haven't watched last week yet. I typically watch them on Thursdays. So... How do we want to do this? Do you want me and Rihanna to just talk about it? Yeah, just you know go ahead. I don't or... care. Yeah, I don't, you don't care. care? Okay, I thought it was awesome. Like, at the end of the episode, I was literally jumping off my couch and cheering. So, this was the episode with the hotel, right? Where Tandy is stuck. So, Tandy gets stuck by despair in this hotel that's like their human trafficking hotel. And... First of all, I mean, Rihanna, I don't know how you felt. The seriousness of the subject matter made it all very tense to me. Like, the world wasn't going to blow up, but something terrible was going to happen. And it very much made me uncomfortable as it went on. How about you? Yeah, it was very... Um, you know, I, the, the writers at the beginning of the season said that they chose this particular storyline because... I mean, they they said that this show would be all about human trafficking, that this season would have a have human trafficking storyline and that they wanted to do that so that we would see that it wasn't, you know, um, because we don't think of it as something being in our backyard. I did not think it would be so heavily Tandy being trafficked. Trafficked? Traffic, uh, anyways. 
Um, I didn't think we would go so deep inside of it as we have. Um, I mean, I thought they would be rescuing human trafficking, but this goes a little bit more than Turk Barrett with a bucket and a taser. Um, and, and no, it was tense. It was tense. It was real. And it was trippy all at the same time. I feel like they made it feel like it could happen to anybody, which I guess is to some degree the truth, right? Like, I mean, it just made it seem like if the, in the wrong place in the wrong time, like these things happen to normal people and it's terrifying and it's bad. And like, and I don't think, I mean, I don't feel like it's been expletive, uh, expletive, exploitative. Is that the word? Like, I feel like they've been respectful about the way they've talked about this issue. Relatively speaking, I don't know. Someone who knows more about the subject may not agree. I'd you know, be interested in their opinion, but uh, I feel like they've talked about it in a way that's, that's honest and hard hitting without, kind of being too over the top and kind of just using it as a plot device. Definitely. I I mean, I don't think there's been enough television and such about human trafficking for there to be people speaking up in defense of those that have been trafficked. Um, but it seems respectful, and I, it seems like they've definitely made an effort to portray it in a realistic way, even though we're in a very unrealistic situation. I mean, yeah, and if Tandy can get abducted, anybody could get abducted. Uh, now, did you like the continued sort of record store, despair, dark universe thing, particularly with uh, the witch doctor, like, entering? I know my wife mentioned that she did not realize how much she liked that character until she was suddenly put into peril. Yeah, I loved her. Loved her. I loved that tension. I liked the record store. It's very weird because, like, the I, the episode has a hard time holding my attention, yet I can still love it. Like, I can, I can watch it and still feel the tension, keep up with it. She was awesome. And, I mean, our... I can't remember his name, but our bad guy... Despair. Despair. That's right. Um, yeah, no. Despair is awesome. I'm loving him. All around. Yeah, Adam, I don't know if you've seen the uh, trailer for next week, but they're going even more bananas. I mean, there's some kind of voodoo-looking guy, and there's, like, some, like, 8 or 16-bit, like, video game animation and, like, an arcade game. Like, it feels almost like an episode of Community or something. It's bizarre. I, I, I love that they continue to go weird and goofy places with this show, so... We're going record store to Nintendo by the end of the season while we, like, be on an MP3 player. <laughs> Maybe. It's going through the technology, through the, uh, DVDs through the ages. And then... um, I also loved the action. There was a bit of a fight scene at the end where Ty runs a car into the side of the hotel. And yes. then he did a deal where he, like, transported himself to two feet higher in the air so that he could, like... You know how Daredevil does that thing where he, like, wall jumps so that he can get, like, higher leverage on a punch? Ty did that by teleporting himself up in the air. And I was like, that's so cool. And the way that, like, two of them were, like, breaking through the walls of the hotel and then met in the middle. I just, all the action I I very much enjoyed. And I I feel like it's peak. It's the best action I'm going to get out of a freeform TV show. Like, with their budget and what they can do, I think they're maximizing their, their... Techno, you know their their ability to do good action. So, absolutely. It was also very satisfying when Tandy finally got her light daggers back, because like you're feeling real nervous about what's about to happen to her, and then all of a sudden you just see the glow come from you know like it, it wasn't they didn't even show it. It was just like from her hands like glowing up onto her chin. And you're like, oh, she's got him back. She's gonna totally slice up that John. It was awesome. I was very excited by that. Though, so do we think Tandy is murdering people? I mean, do we think she killed the John? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I think she's just incapacitating. They don't seem like murderers to me. That was something, like, as she was going through. Because, like, I don't know. Th- this felt like the first scenario where... I don't know. It felt like we... we With the way Ty was able to teleport so well and do such an awesome job with that. And Tanny breaking herself out with her little daggers... I 
it's the first time that I was like, huh, are they leaving a trail of bodies behind them or incapacitating? And I didn't feel like it was really explained. Yeah, it is interesting. I, you know, in the comics, a lot of times Ty just like absorbs people. And there is this like really dark idea there that like he sucks someone up into them so they can eternally just live in this nightmare realm. And we've seen that a little bit with Connors this season, but I kind of, I mean, it's fun. It's part of the fun of Cloak and Dagger is that Cloak will just envelop someone into eternal darkness and they just live there until they go insane. I find very interesting. Definitely. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I was saying the other day on our Slack, I maybe am getting too hyped at this, but like, it's not quite Daredevil good. But there's not many other shows that I think have had better seasons. I think maybe Jessica Jones season one was better. I think this is probably better than all the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. seasons at this point, which, oh boy, people are going to get mad at me. But, I, you know, like I think it's better than any Luke Cage stuff, any of the Iron Fist stuff, most of the Jessica stuff, all the Punisher stuff, all the Runaways, definitely in humans, more than Agent Carter. Like, I I like this season most than, better than most of the Marvel TV, so I am totally fanboying at this point on cloak and dagger season two michael t ford says he thinks the daggers are kind of tranquilizers but she really messed that guy from the season one do you remember the guy she robbed and then he caught her in an alley later yeah like she caused real physical harm to that guy that's what i thought I say take them dark. I don't care. Leave some bodies behind them. Daredevil doesn't kill people, but that doesn't mean other people can't. Cool. All right. Now, the next thing we need to talk about, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is back. I think this is going to be our main conversation for the day. I know we have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans that listen to the show, in part because we talk about it on a week-to-week basis. Um, let's just start out generically. Adam, how did you feel about this last episode? Did you enjoy episode one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? It was a lot slow. Well, it wasn't too slow. I, I mean, it's moved. it moved faster than any episode last season, I think. At least premiere episodes. You know, obviously they don't have the 22 episodes, 23 episodes, whatever it was, uh, to tell their story. Um, so I didn't mind it, you know. Um... It was the type of deal um, I already knew what was coming, so it wasn't super, super awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't mind it. I mean, the visual effects are, are unbelievable. It, it's crazy how uh, how they can do it. Um, and the thing with that is, I I guess that has nothing to do with budget. Shortening the, uh, shortening the season didn't affect... Um, didn't affect the budget to this at all. They spent as much on visual effects this year as they did in previous years. But it's, I mean, like the space shots, like that opening uh, whip or whatever, um, that was uh, really, really cool. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that, uh, that, that space, that space shot at the beginning with the... Uh, that orange thing. You know what I'm talking about? You watched it, didn't you, Rhiannon? I did space shot beginning orange thing. I watched it. I did all of my homework this week. All of it. Um, the orange space shot thing. Where they cut the ship in half. So memorable for me. Yeah. Obviously it wasn't that good. That was cool. It was cool. Okay. Okay. I mean, it made me worry about fits who, you right. know, they didn't give me any fits. So. Oh, there he is. How can I like it without fits? Well, a little bit. Now, does fits have a heel turn too, or what? They didn't give me any deke. Deke, yeah, there was no Zima or lemons. Oh, there was no deke. Oh, jeez. There was no deke. What did you find more compelling, the space stuff or the earth stuff? Space, by far. Well, Earth. Yeah. Earth. I actually, like, there was a point with the space stuff that I was just kind of like, uh, if I wanted to, like, go watch Star Trek, I could go watch Star Trek. 
Like, I don't know. Like, the space stuff, I, I just, I can relate to Earth. And also, Stephen Hall, I am totally getting to your comment, because that's something else. You, that's something we definitely need to talk about, for sure. That should be the main topic in and of itself. The space stuff, I mean, Simmons. I mean, how how great was she? Simmons was amazing. Amazing. Like, Elizabeth yes. Henstridge just did a totally amazing job, and... I don't know. The Earth stuff was all right. The Max stuff's cool, but there's just so many questions on Earth in regards to Shield and what they're developing and and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, I like when Shield sets up kind of a new vibe. So, like, they had the Ghost Rider vibe that was almost more like a you know MCU dark kind of thing for a while, and then there was the LMD Matrix deal, and then they moved to like the space thing last time and the time travel, and so I like the space stuff because it did feel a little like Star Trek, and I don't know, she a, a season of Shield being Star Trek I think would be interesting. I don't, I just Shield back on Earth I don't love. One of the things is Mac is clearly the most physically fit person in the history of S.H.I.E.L.D. And yet they have him back on a computer while they send out like all these scrawny guys into the field. That seems a little bizarre to me, but that's a side point. I assume the comments you're talking about that we need to get to is the fact that this doesn't fit the MCU continuity in yes. any way, shape, or form. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Where to start? The, oh, well, I, mean, I don't Can we each know. go on a yeah. rant or Where what? do we start? Yeah, Adam, start out. Uh, and whatever yeah, you don't get to, I don't, I don't to. know. I have too many words to say. So, okay, so so let's let's break it down first and foremost, right? If not everyone's on the same page. So let's say, uh, well, I mean, it's season five. Okay, season five, we hear um, bad Confederate guy says Thanos is on Earth, right? And that is what launches Graviton's whole arc. That's why Graviton goes to Earth goes to Chicago and gets the gravitonium so he can stop Thanos who's invading Earth. Right? That 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 was all about Graviton's thing. And that happened in the last episode of season five. And this season jumps forward one year and they don't mention the snap in the episode, which is alright. I, I can get around the continuity thing. But not only that, the producers go to Entertainment Weekly right after the episode and say it's before the snap. What do you mean? It doesn't make sense. I, I, I don't. There's just so much of a disconnect. I mean, why do they need to say it's before the snap? I mean, that just totally took away the whole what last third of the fifth season, right? That totally took away everything about Graviton. I mean, that would that's what turned him into a full-on villain was that he wanted to become this bravado macho man. Uh, Earth Protector and stop Thanos. Um, it's it's bonkers. They they had no they didn't need to say it was pre snap. They said for simplicity's sake or whatever. Oh, everything's still pre snap. Uh, uh, mm, okay, sure. What they needed to say is Feige wouldn't tell us what was happening, so we did this hoping it would work out with the snap, and it didn't. So uh 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 ooh. Okay. It's totally bizarre because it, it, you're right. It makes no sense. I, I think they had to address snap a little bit because it wouldn't make sense if the snap happened, shield would be doing nothing but dealing with the snap, right? Like mm -hmm. shield as an entity would have to be trying to figure out a way to undo the snap. If they had existed in the snap universe, I think what's really hard to swallow is that they fought so hard for five years to say, oh, we care, oh, we're continuity, oh, we're connected. And they th worked so hard to put, like, even in this episode, they added the Culver University-like thing, right? Why, why do you connect to the Incredible Hulk with a, you know, like, mention of Culver University, and then you don't bother to figure out whether or not you're going to get the snap right or not? I just, I don't understand the logic to fight so hard that you're connected. And then when something like this comes along, just give up, just roll over. Like they just didn't even try. And when they're asked about like Ming-Na Wen did not make it any better when her response was like, yeah, we're not connected to that anymore. 
Like it was just thrown away, cast aside. You know, it's like, oh yeah, that was, you know, I used to like wearing purple, but this season I'm into black. So I just threw my purple clothes out. Like that's how continuity feels like they felt about it. They just dumped it. And particularly for those hardcore Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. people, they're like, no, this is part of the MCU. This is a connective tissue. It's just a slap in the face for them to just not care all of a sudden. But at least now, you know, there's all sorts of uh, ways they can get around it. But, I mean, I have no confidence in they will, you know, with the alternate realities, with the multiverse and things like that. You know, with just by the way they've treated the show so far, I have zero confidence that they would actually eventually choose to go that route. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy. They can make Inhumans be the Inhumans of a multiverse alternate reality and put the Inhumans back in the movies the right way. Inhumans is what happens in that universe where Cap went back to be with Peggy. Yeah, or, you know, I don't know, just it's the worst of all. It's like, again, community. It's the worst of all possible realities is the one that humans happened in. And now we can replace it. I don't know why it just dawned on me, but I'm suddenly so happy. Life is looking so much better. My outlook on everything has just improved. Yay! Does it ruin it to you guys that it's not, like, do you want to watch S.H.I.E.L.D. less because it is now not really, because now the continuity... He is this broke. No, it's just irritating. Like, I still like the show. I still care about the characters. Agreed. You know, I think the biggest thing, you know, to me is they they try pitching it to get viewers that it's, it's all connected, you know. Um, even if it wasn't, you know, canon at all, I'd still watch. It's still a great show. Um, it's just the whole tinkering with things. And I don't think, I can't make an irrational argument for me but it does take away my interest a little bit you know like i don't know i'm just not as into it now because now it's like some alternate b-side i've never been a big like elseworlds other universe kind of person and so i don't know i just some of the luster is gone now that i can't at least pretend that like cap or iron man is floating around somewhere in that same universe Going back to the show proper, uh, did you guys like the return of Clark Gregg? Did you feel like he makes an interesting villain of any kind? I mean, we didn't see a whole lot of him. Yeah, it's super awesome having Ward 2.0 around. (laughs) I liked it. Ooh, ooh, maybe they can bring back Ward. Maybe this person can have a a Ward. Great. Hey, Mike, think of of a name for new new Coulson. We got uh, Mike's kind of our name guy. Mike's our Cisco from Flash. I don't. It was all right. I mean, Sarge. What kind of uh, what kind? I don't know. Sure, I, they didn't show us that much. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was all right. Isn't Sarge the name of that cartoon character that sells insurance? That's what I was thinking. That's the general. Like, isn't Sarge like. Oh, that's the general. I'm sorry. That's the general. Like that sells hot dogs or something. Hot dogs. Really low in insurance. Same difference. I mean, it's the same market, right? It did kind of bother me. I mean, it's not a huge deal. They chose to market this episode with what was essentially the end of it. So like, I'm not sure how I would have felt about seeing Coulson again if I didn't know he was coming back. But like the last scene of the episode was the one that they showed at you know, WonderCon, which to me was just a little unfortunate. It took a little attention out of things, you know. Yeah. I do wish that had been a carefully guarded secret surprise thing. That would have been awesome to not know at all. So, I mean, going forward, what what do you look forward to this season? I mean, is there something in particular that's got you hooked? Something you're hoping to see more of as we go on? Yeah, I mean the space stuff's excellent. You know, where where are they going? There's I mean, that's still not something even the movies have really um, developed. I mean, obviously, we have the Guardian stuff. We have some brief stuff in Infinity War and uh, Endgame right now, you know. But uh, where where's Fitz at now? Um, that, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to most. You know, is that's how we get into the timeline stuff. Is this what made... 
uh, is what he's going through now what made him such a hardcore badass in last season? Or what the deal is? I don't know. I try not to think of that stuff. Um, If I can jump in, though, Adam, maybe I misunderstood. Wasn't there a line that suggested that they kind of, that by changing the Graviton stuff, they created a butterfly effect that the fits that came to help them in the future hadn't been in the ship that was cut in half. The ship was cut in half because of knock-on effects from them stopping Graviton, or did I misunderstand that? Yeah, didn't they create a new branch, like the different branches that we learned about? I mean, is I time travel... No idea. Is it the same time travel rules as... It's not. No, Don't even try. Not it's at totally all. different Please. time travel. Yeah. Please. Yeah, it's completely different. Apparently the uh, Quantum Realm stuff's a lot different from the uh, Monolith. Two different science... I don't know. Yeah, that's a whole other topic. Uh, yeah, I have no uh, idea. I quit. I quit. <laughs> the end. Not only have you given me different time travels, they have different rules. And F it all. Pretty much. <laughs> I heard that not clearly, and I thought you just screamed, ethanol. And I was like, what? <laughs> Corn oil? What are we talking about? That was me trying not to cuss. That's true. You never know who's on Facebook. Adam's mom could hear it. Adam's no, mom she laughed. She texted me. She says, you're free now. TTYL. I said, thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think what is interesting is Fitz, what we got last season was the evil Fitz from the Matrix had kind of readjusted the character. So he was a little more savvy and a little more knowledgeable about you know, like he just had a way of like getting stuff done and being, you know, doing what it took to get the job done. I think I'm repeating myself anyway. And I, so I think that'll be interesting to see that in a different context. It does. Um, it seems to me to be just another way to keep him and Gemma apart again, which gets a little bit old, you know, like at some point, just let the two of them be on screen together. But maybe that's just me. No, I'm with you. I don't know why somewhere in my head I thought Fitz and Gemma would just get back together. Like, that would be a very quick, we'll get, we'll get Fitz, I don't know, they'll go out, they'll grab Fitz, Fitz will be back. And they laid every single piece of work for it to be a long, drawn out, you know, they said, you know, if you find Fitz, all of the previews were like, we have to go find Fitz, this next mission to get Fitz. I really don't want the whole season to be going to get feds i hope they work through that very quickly please don't drag that out well and again to compare it to some of the cloak and dagger stuff we've talked about at every point this season when cloak and dagger set up something where i went oh gosh we're gonna be doing this for 10 episodes they then resolved it within 20 minutes like that show has been so good to just move from like plot point to plot point to plot point boom 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 trying new things going new places And S.H.I.E.L.D. thus far has been the exact opposite of that. Where it's like, oh, here's the thing we're going to tease. And then now we're going to let you roll around in that for 13 episodes. And I'm just, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll get moving. I just, yeah. I'm just worried it's going to drag. seasons of S.H.I.E.L.D. have been better about not doing that. Recent seasons have moved along more quickly. Does this episode make you feel any different about season seven getting a getting the renewal ahead of time or does it make any difference in your mind based on what you've seen? I mean, it's still a little bit too early. I think within the, uh, the synopsis for either two or three, they get back to fits. So, uh, I'm not concerned about that angle, you know? Um, it is interesting. Obviously it's, they're not rushing through season seven because ABC announced their, uh, 1920 slate at upfronts this week and shield wasn't on it. So it's uh, another summer show. I'm not sure if we, that was kind of the assumption or, or what, but that, that kind of uh, raises another question why they rushed through season seven, if they weren't um, <clears throat> going to push it through right after season six. Um, but yeah, I, I would say it's still a little bit too early to, to make the decision uh, on season seven. You know, we still got nine episodes left. Certainly, I've not seen anything yet that if I was the exec at ABC who renewed it, would have gone, oh, this is so incredible. We've got to get a seventh season. I mean, (laughs) that's still kind of interesting, but 
Maybe that maybe it's going to speed up a little bit. I don't know. I'm just a little tepid on it at this point for a variety of reasons, but you know, including the continuity part and and also I just don't have like I said, I don't have a vibe of where this is headed yet. It doesn't have a distinct feel to me so far. So, all right, you guys want to go to the mailbag? Let's yes. do it. All right, Adam, you were on a podcast called Into the Night, huh? Moon Knight oh, podcast. Oh, you guys right? found out about that? Oh, no, I cheated on you, too. I'm sorry. No, you're, you're Dead fine. To me. Dead <laughs> it to was, me. Uh, it was, they did tag us. I mean, if it was cheating, it's like they called up the spouse and was like, hey, by the way, I was with your man last night. Because they totally, they totally added us oh, on the Twitter. So. <laughs> oh, I didn't even see hmm. that. <laughs> no, it's cool, though. Well, how was, what was that like? I mean, what would you guys talk about? It was good. No, Moon Knight. Uh, Moon Knight, I tried pushing uh, my Iron Fist agenda on there. Um, they said, you know, quit that. There's actually an Iron Fist podcast you can get on to do that. Uh, but no, super, super cool people. Um, person, I should say, Ray. Is there really an Iron Fist podcast? Yeah. Um, well, a super cool experience. If you guys... Uh... This podcast is truly just all about Moon Knight? <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. That's it's amazing not, to I'm... me because... It's just the comic. It's like one comic, correct? I mean, I guess they could talk about the past of it and all that so kind of stuff. It's they. It's crazy. They um, plan their content based around the uh, lunar schedule and stuff. So if it's like a half moon, <laughs> they'll do a comic review. Or if it's a full moon, they'll do like an MCU spec or something. Uh, it's really elaborate. Um it's the, like we talked about one issue. We we reviewed one issue and just kind of filled it in with general chit chat. It, it's something. I mean, why isn't there a Daredevil podcast out there? There might be. I think it's called Super Lateys, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Super Lateys is where you can go to get you know once every six months Daredevil. <laughs> uh, let's see. Also on Twitter, uh, 084 had uh, sent in a. Good question. There's a theory out there that the new universe without Thanos, I think meaning from Endgame, the universe Thanos abandoned, is the Netflix Hulu freeform universe. Thoughts? Question mark. Possibly. Possibly. That would explain why there are no defenders in this universe and stuff. I like that. I can live with that. I think it'll be natural for us to go, oh, well, Netflix or ABC shows or the Freeform shows or whatever, that, like, these are separate multiverse universes. And I guess that's a fine explanation. The thing that makes me sad, though, is that making them all their own pocket universe kills the possibility of crossover. Like, this is the one place where... Like Shield not being in main continuity is bothersome because I would like to see, you know, Quake interact with Maria Hill and Nick Fury at some point. Or I would love to see, you know, we'd love, we've talked about, we'd love to see Daredevil with Spider Man. And so, yeah, like it's fine to have a theory that the multiverse means that like Netflix is just in a different reality or different, you know, offshoot of time than the main MCU. But that doesn't change the fact I don't get to see Daredevil and Spider-Man together. And it kind of kills the opportunity to have them all in one place. You know, so I assume you guys saw the the uh, fan art this week of a portal opening at that endgame battle and out walking the Defenders. Is that something like that strike a nostalgia thing for you? Like, did you hope is that something that felt good to you or do you think it would have been weird? I... It's not something I ever expected, hoped for, or needed. I'm fine with it not happening. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't give me any feelings. Who knows? Maybe, maybe the defenders were in there. And no one's seen them yet. I mean, how are the ducks been found? But maybe, maybe you know they're packed back in a corner somewhere. Maybe we just have to go through it frame by frame. Yeah. The other one I noticed that I hadn't seen in the movie. There's actually some ravagers in there, right? There are. Also, was Craglin in that scene and we haven't found him yet, or did he not make it? He, no, Craglin was in there. He was in there with a, a fancy new mohawk. He had like a shaved silver mohawk, like Yandu did in uh, Guardians 1, but it was silver instead of red. Yeah, I saw a set photo with it. I just haven't spotted it in any of these stills or whatever, so. 
it's a really interesting thing. I mean, because they came off a contractia. Um, so that was a pretty cool homage, too, I guess. All right. Uh, also on Twitter, at Matt Turner, Matt Turner Toad, uh, just said he just watched The Martian and was noticing how many MCU actors are in there. Apparently, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Benedict Wong, Sebastian Stan, uh, Louis Pena. Um, I'm having to. He gave character names. I'm trying to give the actor names. Uh, oh, geez. Childish Gambino. Um, and Matt Damon. Uh, so it was. Uh, yeah, that sounds funny. I didn't. I've not seen The Martian yet, but uh, nowadays almost every movie has someone from the MCU in it. So. I did have a weird moment with my daughter yesterday. We were talking about, we saw a, uh, a trailer for a movie with Will Smith and she said, Oh wow. I've never seen him before, but he looks a lot like Falcon. And I thought oh that gosh. is the first time anyone has said that Will Smith looks like Anthony Mackie and not the other way around. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so that's how old we are. Will Smith now is someone who kids don't even know who it is. Anyway. Oh my uh, you guys have been watching the live chat. Was there anything else in the uh, Facebook t- chatter that you wanted to mention in the mailbag section? I think we dealt with a lot of it as we went along. Thanks for watching. We've had three or four viewers about the whole time. I mean, Michael T. Ford brings up a lot of stuff about what the alternate universes could allow us to explore. It popped up on my screen that Michael T. Ford says... But I just want to know what universe New Warriors is set in. Ugh. Uh, Purgatory. Hell. Right? Is that (laughs) what it is? Hell? (laughs) Certainly not in heaven. It's that universe that they just... That universe that they just let Loki loose in. Right. With with this. Now, Adam, I did see you tweet about this. Uh, It looks like we're basically getting a Maria Hill TV show. We're just going to call it Stumptown. Like, that show looks like a lot of fun. So it's, I mean, it's essentially Jessica Jones is what it is. Um, Super, super awesome comic, too. If you guys, uh, I think it was from Oni Press, right? Who did it? Greg Pak, maybe? Um, I could be misspeaking and I'll fall terrible. But it's a a super, uh, I liked it. It was a quick read. There's not too many uh, issues out. But yeah, it's, it's espionage it's like a pi detective type stuff uh that's coming up i mean it's ordered to series and everything so um we'll see uh we'll see how that affects um any hill appearances obviously blind spot kept jamie alexander too busy um for thor ragnarok cameo watch speaking of which blind spots done's pretty soon you guys see that no did they not renew it no, they did for a fifth season. Oh, are you giving us? No, a fifth and final season. It's no, it's yeah. They announced that they were in, they renewed it for a fifth and final season. So, the one other thing I saw this week that I did not add in somewhere else, but I thought I'll mention now. I watched an interview with Marcus and McFeely, and they asked if they ever considered bringing Vision back. And they said, you know, we really didn't, because we always thought of Vision as being part of Scarlet Witch's story. And we figured if there was anyone who'd bring him back, it was her, and we really didn't want to tell that story. And it made me think, oh, WandaVision is totally going to be Scarlet Witch bringing back Vision. Like, you could see them, like, just picking around this whole plot we've kind of put together. So I thought that was very interesting to hear them kind of touch on tangentially in their interview. Well, Facebook people, this is the point in the evening where we all get really tired because we have just, <laughs> because we've been up too late and it's time to get ready to sleep for tomorrow. So thanks for listening. We appreciate it, particularly uh, if you've been doing it the first time on Facebook. If you watch it later to this week on Facebook, uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll do this again or not. I don't know. We've got to figure out all this stuff. But uh, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you guys listening to the podcast, whether you're doing it on Facebook right now or you're doing it in the future. Um, on the edited podcast. You can interact with us in the future in a lot of ways. Send us a message over on Twitter at Marvel News Desk. You can also communicate uh, with our MarvelNewsDesk.com post each week, which I didn't look at this week. So love Waffle and all you website guys. Sorry I didn't get to it. 
Uh, if you want to support the show, give us a dollar a month over at patreon.com slash marvelnewsdesk. You can get access to uh, some special uh, podcasts for patrons only, as well as early looks at some of our videos. Like us on Facebook, uh, which many of you have done, at facebook.com slash marvelnewsdesk. Subscribe to the YouTube, watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Uh, you can uh, help the show be more visible to others if you want to give us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, but most importantly, you listen, you tell your friends. We really appreciate it. We love doing this, and we love that people listen to it. Thanks to Tim uh, Cox for the logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. And thanks to Alvin for the theme music. His music is on a variety of social media platforms at the Skull School. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. I have no idea what we're going to talk about next week, but we'll find something. Uh, have a good week. We'll talk to you later.